everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner, special edition joined by my husband. It's the first time I get to say that on the air. And it's the first time that we are answering questions as a married couple. Woohoo! We had an awesome, fun wedding. What was your favorite part about our wedding? All of it. (laughs) <laughs> the the wedding day, the wedding day was just all of the wedding day from morning to to evening to end, start to finish. It was really beautiful. Getting to you at the end of the aisle was my favorite part. Mm, actually, one of one of my favorite parts was seeing you get out of the car. Mm. That was nice. That mm. was really because it was everyone else but you, and then seeing you get out of that car and how beautiful you look. Well, you always look beautiful, but it was a different type of beautiful because, you know, how often do you wear wedding dresses? (laughs) So far, just twice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. That was, that was really nice. And you know, another nice part was taking photos after our wedding. Yeah, that was really beautiful too. We were on such a love high. Our wedding was officially one week ago today. So happy one week anniversary, babe. Yeah. Many more to come. It was, you know, a lot of people say marriage doesn't change things. It's just a piece of paper. And I agree with that. It can just be a piece of paper if there's no ceremony or rite of passage. What I really felt, it wasn't a piece of paper. It was the rite of passage. It was the ceremony. It does feel different to me. It was the also being celebrated by people that we love and that love us for three or four days, five days even. And just being in that love bubble, not just our love bubble, but being in the love bubble of people loving on us and us loving on other people as well. I mean, you know, our friend Amanda said something really interesting earlier around the high of the love and the, the, the depth of the, the low as well. It's yeah. like when my friends left, like I sobbed like a, a child. Like it was so but when, I saw you. Yeah, you I mean so sweet. <laughs> but when we were all together, we were all so loving and happy mm-hmm. as well. And so there's that that balance, right? That dynamic that happens and that polarity. And we were really in a love bubble for a few days. And that added to it. It, it was really did. Yeah. It really did. It was it was so awesome to see my side of the world and your side of the world come together because mm-hmm. this is the first time that I met any of Steph's friends and family. Really, I'd never met your brother, your except mother, one, nephews, yeah, except for, except for Nikhil. Really, yeah. I got to meet your your soul family and family for the very first time. Mm-hmm. So not only was it our wedding, but it was an opportunity for, for me to meet all the people that love you, well, not all of them, but a lot of the people that love you so much and for our families to meet for the first time and our friends to come together. Mm-hmm. And it really affirm something I talk about a lot on this show about the importance of soul family. You know, we all have our families and of course that's important and our extended family that goes into the friends and the people that that have been there for us through the years. And what was really special was having my closest friends that have been with me through the journey of getting divorced, being single, calling you in, having them there supporting me and us and seeing the end of that particular journey was really a gift. And having it was, and also having that experience coupled with very unique experiences yeah, yeah that we, that we arranged and that we organized that everyone was really experiencing for the first time in yeah. some capacity. That was, that added another layer of the, the deepening and the connection because we were all together 
for so often yeah. of that time. It was, just, it was just a really beautiful time. I remember I think it was Mark Manson uh, when he was asked on a podcast once. Is that know, the guy that wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving yeah, a Fuck? Yeah, he was asked, you know, what was one of the, the greatest days of your life and he said my wedding and he had a destination wedding as well and he said because in that time I was just so disconnected from everything else and I, I, we were all just loved on and loved up for three or four days, yeah. and and I and I get it, and I, I get what he means by that. It's it's just this this immense appreciation and history that comes together of connection and intimacy that you just share with you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 people, whatever, however many people with. For us, it was sixty people. It was just amazing. Yeah, it really was. There's something in being witnessed. We talk a lot on the show too about the reason counseling and therapy works and even this show works is even though I'm not seeing the person, they are being witnessed and heard and seen in whatever they're going through and it amplifies it. So if you're being heard and witnessed in your grief and in your healing and in your transformation, it amplifies it. The healing goes deeper. The transformation goes deeper because it's not just happening without being witnessed. And so being witnessed and coming together in our union was incredibly powerful. And so I recommend to anyone who, whether you're in a relationship or you're going through some rite of passage to have a ceremony of some kind, even if you don't want traditional marriage, even if you already are married and maybe you want to renew your vows, even if you want to do a marriage to yourself um, or you never had a rite of passage as a, as a youth. I, I remember in one of my women's retreats that I went to as a participant, because I had delayed puberty and was put on a lot of hormones and all that kind of stuff, my rite of passage of coming into womanhood was fairly traumatic and, and shameful. And I got my period for the first time on a trip visiting colleges with my dad, you know, so it was like this, this kind of just eventful, but uneventful off sort of embarrassing thing. And so in the women's retreat, they did a rite of passage for me of coming out of maidenhood into womanhood. And it really was significant. And I think these rite of passages and ceremonies are something that in our fast paced tech-based culture, we've really lost sight of and they really matter. They do something to our unconscious. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's something that we speak to a great deal in the men's work as well. Every single person has to go through a rites of passage when they're transitioning from the old to the new. I know that was so important for me when I was letting go of old stuff, old beliefs that were limiting me, that I thought I had to be a certain way and, and meet a particular standard. A lot of that was connected to my father wound as well. And so I had to go through a rite of passage of letting go of the old and bringing in the new. And it was honouring the old and the place that it had in my life and in the place that it has and plays in our lives in order for us to get to... I don't. I don't want to say the next level, but the next evolution of who we are. Next, the next expression of who we are, and we can't be that without having experienced all that stuff before. And so, that rites of passage is an honouring of the old, a coming into the new, and, a, and an allowance. It's a permission. It's like you have now permission to be that person. And so, marriage for me is also part of that. Our ceremony was part of that. It's, I, I now give myself permission to be the next version of me whatever that may look like. 
And this union is part, a big part of that. It's a big part of who I am in the world. It's a big part of how I express, of how I feel, how I feel supported, how I experience confidence and take action and the impact and the service that I want to have to my own soul, my own journey, to you and to all of those that you and I and we have the potential to impact. Yeah. And what I also loved about our ceremony is our best friend, well, my best friend of 20 years, who's now one of your best friends, Monica, who's also yeah. a wedding officiant, married us. So it was very intimate. Um, just my sister and your brother and our five nephews combined were in the wedding. And then we wrote our own vows. Mm. And I just have to pat myself on the back because <laughs> Steph was gloating for months of how epic his vows were going to be and how they were going to be so good. And there was no way that I could compete. Um, and his vows were beautiful. But he said to me after the wedding, what'd you say? You got me. <laughs> I got him. But it was easy. I mean, I, I wrote him that morning, the morning of our wedding, actually. Yeah, so, so, yeah. so, oh no, I wrote mine the day before, actually. Yeah, the day before. Yeah, so it's very fresh. So that was another powerful place. And we, we share all this with you because, well, one, all my listeners, you've been such a part of my journey, whether you're new or old for, for so long. And I, I truly believe that when we listen to other people speak into something that we desire or that we don't even know that we desire, but when we hear people speak into it, we're like, ooh, that would feel good for me too. That's why we like to share these kinds of things, not from a place of, ooh, let's just talk about our wedding. But really the, the place we're coming from is we're really honoring the beauty of ceremony and rites of passage and how I think that that's something that's so important that we continue to to honor. That's why I loved my bridal showers because they were more than just opening gifts and drinking out of penis straws. They were really ceremonial, which a lot of bridal bachelorette type of things are. They were very ceremonial and honoring of what I was letting go of and what I'm stepping into. And that's something we teach at all our retreats and everything else. So, you know, for those of you who don't know, our wedding was in Mykonos where we met. And um, for me, it was also letting go of perfection because there are a lot of things I had trouble with my dress. I was not feeling well leading up to the wedding. So there was stuff with that. Um, it was windy that day, which actually turned out to be beautiful because that was another ceremonial thing of blowing out the old and, and bringing in the new. It wasn't that windy that it was too intense no. for, because making, the, the days following were yeah. very windy. Yeah, it was, but it was symbolic of that. So that was a beautiful symbol actually. But the Virgo perfectionist in me wanted everything to be perfect. And there are things with our wedding planner that didn't go well and things with the food. There were just things. And it was so awesome for me to see myself not care and to just be in the moment. And I share that with you because I know I've got a lot of perfectionists out there and a lot of people pleasers. That's the other thing, you know, at your wedding there can be different people that want different things from you. And I think you and I did a great job of really honoring ourselves, not in a selfish way, but not getting caught up and making sure everybody else was okay, but just creating this environment of love and not getting caught up in other people's stuff, if there was any of that. And again, back to me letting go of it needing to be perfect. So like I was saying to my fellow perfectionists, when we're focused too much on the details and needing things to look a certain way, we miss out on the moment. And I didn't want to wake up the day after my wedding and go, I was so focused on forks being brought out at the right time that I missed out on our first dance or 
taking a look at all the love that was around us or having a sweet conversation with your mom or whatever it might've been. So perfectionists, remember that perfectionist tendency does rob you of the present moment. So if you can just let go of it needing to look a certain way or be perfect or have everything go according to plan, I think you'll be surprised and delighted at the magic of the moment. So if I didn't say this already, we are going to answer some questions that were part of the group coaching call we did on love. Every month I do a live group coaching session where I teach a little bit, guide you through meditation and then take live questions. The next one is in October. You can go to christinehaster.com slash group to register for that. It's going to be on loneliness. But the last one we did before we left for our wedding is on love and relationships and we didn't get to everybody. So we're going to answer two questions this time. And then we have more that we're going to do next week. So Steph is my coach's corner guest since we are traveling on our honeymoon and I'm not doing any interviews. So you're my guest, babe. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I wanted to say is we're going to be in London teaching a workshop October 6th called Love Amplified. You can go to christinehassler.com slash London dash 2019. All the details about what we're going to be doing and teaching are there. One highlight is that Steph's going to be teaching some breath work and that was really one of the most epic parts of of the Hawaii retreat. So if you live anywhere near London, get yourself there. We're not there often. As I mentioned, it's called Love Amplified. We're going to be working on self-love, relational love, no matter what your relationship status is, and tapping into love of your higher purpose and higher power. So that's October 6th. Tickets are selling quickly. Go to christinehassler.com slash London dash 2019. Also, before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor for this week, which is the perfect sponsor because it's all about travel. So Away, in my opinion, creates the perfect suitcase crafted with features that make travel more seamless. Now they offer a range of essentials that solve real travel problems, like trying to fit a lot in a suitcase. So all you have to think about is where you're headed next because Away means getting more out of every trip to come. Away knows that everyone has a different travel style. That's why they make their carry-on an array of colors, two sizes, and two materials. They have a carry-on and the bigger carry-on. Of course, I use the bigger carry-on because we've been traveling since September 4th. We've been traveling a long time and I actually had to have a whole carry-on just for all my supplements and special supplies. (laughs) If you missed my episode on my Epstein-Barr virus, go back and listen to that one. You'll understand all the supplements. But it has great things like a TSA-approved combination locks, optional ejectable battery to keep your phone charged, a removable laundry bag to separate dirty clothes from clean clothes, and their suitcases are designed to last a lifetime. But if any part of your suitcase breaks, Away standout customer service team will arrange to have it fixed or replaced ASAP. Plus you get a hundred day trial on everything Away makes. Take it out on the road and live with it, travel with it, get lost with it. If you decide it's not for you, you can return any non-personalized item for a full refund, no ifs, ands, or asterisks. Free shipping on away orders within the US, Europe, and Australia. You can get away offline too. I got a navy colored bigger carry-on. I love it. I love how much I can fit in it. And I love that I can carry it on with me. It's durable, it's stylish, and it fits a lot of my things. So here is your special call to actions for $20 off a suitcase. Visit awaytravel.com slash over it and use promo code over it during checkout. Again, go to Away travel, A W A Y T R A V E L dot com slash over it and use promo code over it during checkout. 
All right. And now on to the questions. Like I said, today we're going to do two and next week we are going to do about five. (laughs) I'm just looking at how many we have here. So this is from Melissa. How do I learn to be vulnerable and love myself first so I can love my spouse? I've been talking for a while. You want to start with that one? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, I mean, there's so much here. It's, it's, it's such a simple question or such a short question, but such a layered, profound question, right? I think we have to be vulnerable with ourselves in order to learn to be vulnerable with others. And others want to see us vulnerable. They want to see us express and be. I, I know with you, darling, whenever I hold myself in and I don't share with you in an appropriate way, that distances us. Yeah. And and so if I don't face my stuff, if I don't get real with what I'm experiencing, if I'm avoiding my own inner self, I I can't be that vulnerable with you. I can't be real with you. And I notice every time I am real with you and I just own it, that brings us closer. Absolutely. Vulnerability does bring us closer. And I think that in terms of the question, how do I be more vulnerable and love myself first? It starts with acceptance. Why we often are afraid or reluctant to be vulnerable with ourselves is because we judge our pain. We judge our emotion. Vulnerability with myself means I'm willing to look and feel, look at and feel my fear, my sadness, my shame, my insecurities. And I'm willing to be honest with myself and willing to accept those parts of me and not shame them and judge them. So probably what's happening is you're judging your spouse, you're distancing your spouse. And you're and that's because there's inner distance inside of you. So it all starts within when I am critical with myself, when I'm not making space for myself, when I'm not accepting myself, when I'm beating up on myself, I am more irritable with you and and more distant from you less affectionate, all those things, because my outer actions are mirroring my inner experience. And you just become a mirror of everything I'm judging about myself. Mm -hmm. So my advice to you, Melissa, is really look at all the things you're not accepting about yourself and make space to look at some of the pain and some of the shame that you've been perhaps carrying around. I also highly suggest for you personal mastery, my personal mastery course, just go to christinehaster.com slash mastery. Because that really is a, a course in profound, deep self-awareness and self-awareness leads to, to self-love. And to echo what Steph said, share that vulnerability with your husband. The more you are vulnerable, well, you said spouse, I'm assuming it could, a husband, it could be a wife, wh- whoever it is, be that vulnerable with your spouse. Share, I think sometimes we 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 think we have to come to our spouse or someone in our life having already worked through an issue, how already, already gone, well, this happened and I, I learned this and now I'm here. It's like, we, we feel like we have to have the end result or we have to have it figured out. But vulnerability is really coming to a partner and saying, I'm scared. I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. I'm ashamed. And will you just hold me? And the more vulnerable you are with yourself and then with your spouse, the more love it's going to be created. I think that, that self-honesty piece is, is everything. I remember uh, last year when you know, I was, we were, I was going through that very tumultuous time of self-growth and self-exploration purposely and deliberately, of course, is bringing up a lot of stuff. And I was realising 
I was really struggling to get vulnerable with myself because I wasn't looking at me. Mm-hmm. I was I was projecting and, and making massive judgments on you and how you were behaving and that was really a reflection of me. And when I came to peace with it doesn't matter how you see me, it's actually more important how I see me, I actually stopped projecting on you. I stopped, I literally, it was almost immediate, I stopped making massive judgments on how I think you're seeing me because mm-hmm. I changed the way I was seeing myself and I wasn't so hypercritical of myself. And in that space, I, I was able to then share more of me with you because I wasn't so scared. Yeah. I wasn't so scared of being seen a particular way because I was actually allowing myself to see me. And there was, there was a, it was, it was immediate. And then after that immediate ability to, okay, I can see you differently. I can see myself differently. Some stuff came up. I, I became apprehensive around, well, this is new. I haven't seen myself in this way before. I haven't had this much compassion and love for myself, which is another thing that you can do is start practicing self-care, self-love, self-compassion, because in doing so you allow, you open yourself up to be seen in a different way, which actually is, again, a form of, of vulnerability, a form of being more open with your spouse. And they then have an opportunity to see themselves differently and behave differently with you as well and hold you and honor you in that, which is so much of what people want to do, that love and care for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Melissa, hope that helps. So this we don't have a name for. So the question is, I've been through a lot in my 10 years of marriage. In our first year, he had either an emotional affair or a real one with a woman. I saw the messages. Then throughout the year after that, I've never been able to trust him 100%. Reasons are he's always been a flirt and I have found other messages to other women. Three years ago, I was at Rope's End and had my own affair. Since then, I can't seem to be romantic towards my husband and often think of leaving. I feel stuck and alone. Also, I have always been the person making sure to make money and keep us afloat. I own my own company and he can't even give me a five-year or one-year plan. He was working for Uber and then just finally became a substitute teacher through a friend. But I feel so unattracted to him even because of that. Help. There's there's definitely a lot there. There's a lot of what I feel there is a lot of suppression, a great deal of, of suppression on on both ends. I mean, I think it may be appropriate to move into some masculine and feminine dynamics here as well. But this is a painful situation and one that's only going to be met with, in my opinion, complete honesty. And so what I mean by that is that addressing that there's a tension and a disharmony in the relationship and going about to obviously, well, it sounds like she wants to be in the relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's it's a female, that she wants to remain in the relationship and she's really struggling to be there. And I think if that's not voiced very soon, people will just, both both of you will just continue to move in ignorance. Yeah, well, I, I don't know what your name is. Definitely a woman, I can tell from that. What I want to say is this just sounds like massive, and I want you to call into the show because I want to work through this with you. But what this sounds like is massive self-worth stuff. I would bet money that this has to do with your childhood, the relationship you had with your father, And because most healthy women wouldn't tolerate this kind of behavior. And instead of leaving, you're doing tit for tat. So instead of either leaving or calling him out on the affair and getting counseling and working through it, you had your own. And I'm not shaming or judging you. I'm just pointing out that 
the place you're operating from is a very immature place. And again, that's not a judgment. That's just a clue to me that this is childhood wounding that, that has attracted this relationship and that is keeping you in this situation. So my strong recommendation would be to get some help and, and some good help with a strong therapist, counselor, or coach who can really help you unravel what's drawn this relationship in. Because even though you're not physically attracted to him, you were attracted to him. You drew this in because in some way his behavior is familiar. So that means that probably there was a person in your life, I guess your father, it could have been your mother, who was emotionally unavailable, wasn't there for you, wasn't somebody that you could trust, made you feel worthless, was deceitful, something along those lines. And you drew this relationship in because that's your wounding and we tend to attract things from our wounding until we heal it and grow and attract things from a different place. So my advice would be to really, really get some help to help you understand yourself, help you understand this relationship, help you understand him. Because until you understand all the reasons why this relationship came in and all the reasons you're doing what you're doing and he's doing what he's doing, it's hard to get clarity because right now you're just in an emotional reaction and we can never get clarity in an emotional reaction because we're in the present and the past all at the same time. You're in the present in terms of your anger and your frustration and your an attraction to him, but you're also triggered by whatever past issues and limiting beliefs and core wounds this is is bringing up. So you're you're kind of stuck. It's hard to move forward and see the future clearly when you've got one foot in the past and one foot in the present. We can only move forward when we've got a foot in the present and a foot in the future in terms of our clear vision. So again, this is a situation where some professional help is going to be very, 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 very useful so that you can start to to unravel this and deconstruct this and then get some clarity from a healthy place and not from a place of an emotional reactivity. Anything you want to add? Oh, deeply, deeply resonate with that. And really anything else beyond that until what you've just spoken to now is really taken care of or acknowledged within the relationship and within self, everything else is not really going to quote unquote work. It's going to be a band-aid solution. It's not going to allow you to really move forward with freedom. And I love what you said around one foot in the present and one foot in the future. And at the moment, as you said, it's more one foot in the present one foot in the past, really yeah, stuck maybe a in half a foot in the present. Yeah, yeah well, the, the yeah. present part is, as you said, the anger, the frustration, the the awareness on, of the superficial of what's happening. But there's there's a lot that's been driven by past wounding and pain until that's at least at the beginning stages of being cleared up. Um, any form of reconciliation is going to be really, really difficult. And even the masculine feminine dynamics and just the way that, that you would choose to interact with each other and, and self is not going to be effective until that, that yeah. past stuff is cleared. And I'll wrap this up by saying, I believe that for a relationship to really thrive, romantic friendship or whatever, to really, really thrive, not just to survive. Two people have to be willing to, to work. And if two people are not really willing to, to work and get to a solution, then I don't see the point of a relationship quite, quite personally. And I think it's very frustrating to be the person that wants to do the work. And I see this 
with people I love, you know, people that are close to me that continue to stay in relationships where they're not being met because I love the person. But honestly, love is not enough. If again, this is just my opinion, this isn't, I'm not saying this is the truth, but based on my years of personal and professional experience, and it's okay if one person is a little ahead and maybe one person has done deeper work and maybe one person is leading it. It doesn't have to be totally even, but the willingness has to be matched in terms of being willing to work. So if you're willing to work on a relationship and your partner or your friend isn't, then I strongly encourage you to reconsider that relationship and make more space for relationships where you do feel matched in your willingness. And I thank you, babe, so much. That was something that I said in my vows. Thank you so much for your willingness. Yeah, those. (laughs) What did I say? What did I say? You cute. (laughs) You you appreciated my willingness beyond probably anything else. And and I really I do pride myself on that. And it's something and the reason why I pride myself on that is because I really hadn't been a willing person in the past. And so for me to make that transition and all that was required for me to do so, I really feel the importance of that in life and in any relational Mm -hmm. dynamic, any relationship type. And that's why it's so important to me and that's why it was one of my really non-negotiables. It was a non-negotiable coming into any friendship or any relationship, especially romantic partnership and one like ours is if you're not willing and I'm willing or vice versa. It doesn't work. It's, it's just, it can't work. Yeah. Yeah. So willingness, that's what we'll end on everybody. We love you. Much love and many blessings. <laughs>